0: The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Scipio. The number one challenge every salesperson faces right now is how to have more conversations with more potential customers and land more appointments. And that's why you've got to go check out Scipio today. I've had too many sales leaders tell me how Scipio has transformed their ability to make contact with customers faster and easier than ever before that I had to go check them out myself. Salespeople using Scipio see a 5x improvement in landing appointments and a 40% lift in show rates. And that means more conversations, which we all know means more sales. Listen, everything has changed in the last year. And that means the way you connect with customers needs to change too. Scipio has the best automated texting platform for building personalized relationships at scale that I have ever seen. But don't take my word for it. Head over to Scipio at Scipio.com and use the code SPRINGFREE for one month on the plan of your choice, courtesy of the Sales Leadership Podcast. Again, that's Scipio, S-K-I-P-I-O.com and use SPRINGFREE to find out just how good a modern messaging platform can be. The Sales Leadership Podcast is also brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. We help sales leaders make how they lead their most defensible competitive advantage. It doesn't matter if you're a new manager, a first-time VP of sales, or a seasoned sales leadership executive. We're all facing new challenges, and if you need someone to talk shop with, I've got you. If you want to become an elite, legendary sales leader for the team you lead, hit me up. Now, get ready for some serious insights from sales leaders that are making it happen, and remember, don't worry, we got you. Be all right. Hello, and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. Let's start over, Brian, on my mark. Three, two, and one. Hello, and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. Today, we're in for a treat. We're joined by Sarah Hurst, Senior Director of Client Sales for SAP Concur. Every now and then I get the opportunity to help introduce a new face to the sales leadership scene and I am so pumped to do that in this week's episode. Sarah's responsible for concur's client sales in the Canadian markets and she's done so with resounding success. Sarah's a rising star in the sales world today. She's won director of the year for concur and she continues to sit at the top of the leaderboard as she's engineered record-setting growth in nearly every category and helped each member of her team experience career highs in every performance metric. Now, Sarah's impact has helped her team achieve record performance, and now it's turning heads worldwide as she's found ways to help her team adapt into recent years. Listen, I love everything Sarah's doing right now. She works to help her team take what the market gives and then some, and I've been wanting to introduce her to our audience here for a while. I'm really excited to welcome Sarah to our show for what I know is going to be a very insightful and a fresh conversation. Sarah, welcome to the show, and thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm so excited, Rob.
0: Yeah, Sarah, I've been excited to get you on our show for a long time. I I like uh, when I have the opportunity to work with the younger sales leaders that are having massive impact and help introduce them to the world. You are someone that's doing things that are head-turning in your organization, and our listeners are in for a super treat to talk to you today. So I'm I'm really excited. Thank you again for joining us.
1: Absolutely. Thank you.
0: Why why don't you start... um, Just for people that may have had their head in in the sand uh, for the last few years, why don't you start by just introducing Concur and SAP and and what it is you guys do for your customers?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we work in the spend management category. Um, We have some amazing tools that support businesses um, manage their spend. And I'm a senior director of sales there for the client space in Canada. Um, and i 've worked with Concur for about eight years now um, been on the front lines working as an individual sales rep, um, moved over to BD worked over in client as an individual rep, and then into leadership so i 've seen some different sides of the business and, and it 's a fantastic organization to work for.
0: They are a fantastic organization and and you have such an interesting purview so you're you 're running sales for all the Canadian market. You get the opportunity to see what you're doing work in your world. You work closely with your North American counterparts. So what I like is you've got this interesting uh, point of view and perspective as a sales leader where you see what's being done on a large scale, then you're bringing it to a a pretty large scale as well, though you're directing it for that area with great success. First of all, congrats on on the awards and the success you've had. Manager of the Year is no small... Uh, feet, feet to pull off with an organization like that. So that's, that's one of the things that I think is exciting. And I just can't wait to dive into your blueprint today.
1: Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's really exciting to, to, you know, be in the Canadian market where we are very close to the big US and being able to, you know, utilize a lot of thought leadership and I mean, the blueprints and the, everything that comes out of that org and then be able to apply it to a little bit more of an emerging market. Um, and I work with a number of great leaders in Canada that also support the new business side um, of sales as well. So I'm surrounded by a great team of folks that are all, you know, focused on the same goal.
0: And That's where I want to start. I want to come back and put a pin in what you just said right there. That's gonna be exactly where we start. But before we do, I love getting just like the high level on the story of our customer of our list for our listeners for the people that talk to me. Can you just tell us like how you got into sales? I think that's, that's, that's always so interesting. Very few people grew up saying I'm going to be a sales leader when I grow up. What's your story? How'd you get to get involved in sales and get to where you are now?
1: Yeah, interesting. I I, was thinking about this. I think I really idealized the concept of an extrovert. I thought maybe, you know, a little exposure therapy could transform me into one, those folks that can work a room, can uh, present in front of tons of people, have the charismatic personality. So I thought maybe I'd get into a role from, you know, the outside that seems as if it's around talking and presenting and, and that whole thing, getting into it, I realized I'm quite good at it for being the opposite of the individual that sales typically attracts. Uh,
0: that is something that I cannot wait to get into with you on this. If we have time, I I'm for sure looking forward to diving into that just a little bit more um, because you're right. Sales usually attracts people that are a little more, extroverted but you did that on purpose you said I want I'm idealizing being a little more extroverted so I'm going to take a role that will force me to do that that was like your first move out of the box
1: absolutely I recall when I first started one of the questions during the interview was would you describe yourself as an extrovert or an introvert I said oh no I'm going to start off this relationship lying (laughs) but right (laughs) away I, I said extrovert and they said good answer you know that that's what they want to hear Um, And I think it's partly in due to how we, what we think of an extrovert and an introvert. I mean, a lot of people just coincide shyness with introvert. And that's definitely, that's not me. Um, Shy is just a a fear of social judgment. You know, you can be shy in an extrovert. You can be shy in an introvert. Introversion and extroversion are really about where you thrive as an individual, uh, where you're most creative and switched on and you're most lively um, in, you know, a, a lively environment or in more of a low key environment. That's really the main difference between extrovert and introvert. Um, so some, sometimes, you know, looking inward and, uh, those types of things are come more naturally to an introvert. So I'd say I'm more of a professional listener <laughs> than I am, um, an innate, uh, you know, salesperson. And that's one of my key super skills. I'd say to, uh, why I've been, um, why I've been successful in my role.
0: Well, that's probably why you've been able to be so intentionally successful. So many people were accidentally involved and then become intentionally successful. You were intentionally involved. You said, I idealize this. I want to find a role where I will develop this. And so, Sarah, you've been intentionally developing yourself from the very first role, which has led you to have a lot of success as an individual contributor. But it's also fueled your success in your ability to start creating organizational impact as you moved on. And that's where that's where I think I really want to like kind of kick things off is you've done some pretty cool things. Yeah, you were good as an individual rep and that's why you got managed and that's a and that's why I got promoted to manager. That's a pretty common story for sales managers. They were successful as a rep, they got promoted, right? Um, but we all know that just because you could do the job as a salesperson doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be able to do the job effectively as a sales leader. Yet you've done that you've been able to intentionally create, you know, individual impact, yes, then team impact, but right now you're doing things that are creating organizational impact for that whole, not just North American uh, team, you're doing things that are like being utilized and and observed and making impact overseas and other markets. And, And that's what I want to talk about today is how do we go from having Small ripple that we put into the pond when we drop, drop our pebble in into bigger splashes that have organizational type impact. Uh, that's kind of what I want to start our conversation off today because that's something that every sales manager needs to get intentional about. And Sarah, you're doing it. How, how do you? That's a broad question. It's a broad place to start. You know, you can you can approach this elephant however you want to. If you want to move from small individual impact to getting into the world of organizational impact. Where did that start for you?
1: Yeah, I think it started with trying to get away from the fear of being self promotional, Uh, you know, not wanting to, and I don't know if that's a Canadian thing. Is it a a young leader thing? It's um, you know, your reservations around how you go about making an impact and having a seat at the table and just having um, some of your thoughts heard. So By no means am I at that point in my career yet, but I'm hoping to build that momentum. And I think part of that is sharing, you know, being, being heard, but in a way that's not teaching and telling, um, giving, you know, um, offering up ideas and things that you're working on and asking for others' opinions. Just because you've created something and it's working well for your, uh, area of the organization, asking for opinions from other leaders. Mm. And getting their thoughts on, um, I mean, they're going to either share things that they feel are good, and hopefully add some suggestions on how to make things better. Um, But, you know, offering up what you're working on and how you're trying to evolve your space, um, I think is is key, but it's getting out there and, and talking to people. Um, also intentionally letting your, your direct leaders know what you're looking to do. What is your goal? What are you trying to do? Um, and I think we had, you know, my leader, I have a fantastic leader that I worked for and working with him in, you know, our day-to-day business. He very much so trusts me in what I do in the client space. And we don't often talk about um, the evolution of, you know, how we're, how we're changing things in clients specifically. We talk about more so how, our role together impacts all of SAP Concur and what we need to go fix or do differently. And that's my job to make sure I stop the conversation at some point and say, Hey, you know, we, we have to pivot again. You know, we have changes in the market. We have the pandemic, we have this and that. What am I going to do to pivot and make sure that my team is continually successful. And if I don't verbalize that to him, he's not going to know. So I think it's also having those conversations and being confident to, uh, express those
0: things as you're going. Sarah, this is awesome. I want to I wanna hit pause now and then I'm going to fast forward. I'm going to rewind this thing a couple of minutes because you said I'm taking notes furiously and I'm burning up this note page. Okay, so I got stuff that we got to drill into. The first thing I want to drill into is you mentioned that you get, you know, you you're part of a large, a large organization in North America for SAP Concur and you get access to a lot of things that they do to really help what I would probably assume is, you know, in North America, they, they do something that tries to be as broadly accepted as possible. But I'm going to guess that there's some times that you get things and you have to put a your own kind of flair, your own kind of Canadian touch on it or for your team or for your market. And I got to think that helping your team be intentionally successful and in creating organizational impact was finding ways to take the tools you have and help them work inside your group. That has to be a key part. It's, so it's not just put your head down and stay in your lane. You're, you're looking at this saying, okay, what do we do to make this work, uh, as well as it possibly can? And probably I should make sure that before we get on this road, you're doing this with great success. You're, you're like setting records in performance. A ridiculously high percentage of your team is hitting goal. And that's not a happy accident, right? I mean, can we talk about that? How are, I mean, is that the first place you started is, take what they give me and then make sure I know how to use it in my world the right way.
1: Yeah. I think when you have um, a smaller team and a smaller group of people, uh, everyone, you know, needs to be definitely rolling in the same direction Mm. to find success. Um, One of the first things we did is boil down the ginormous bag of products and tools and services that we have into a couple of problems. And I know you and I have talked about this, but, uh, problems get prioritized, products do not. So right. how do we get newer individuals on the team? Um, uh, we do have a little bit of a younger team. How do we get people talking, um, to their clients as quickly as possible uh, and being confident in, t- in having those conversations? If you have a, a, je- a huge bag of products that you're trying to be an expert on and going into, to, you know, basically read the menu to your, to your clients or your prospects, That's not going to end in in success, but identifying the problems that your clients have is a much easier thing to do, and you can get going at it much faster. So we boiled down our bag of products into two problems. If you can have a really intentional conversation on two problems, which you can absolutely train and support and coach someone to get going uh, on that really quickly, then you're going to have faster success from day one.
0: All right. I want to talk about this for a second. I work with a lot of sales leaders in a lot of areas in the world. And what you just talked about is something that lots of people pay lip service to, but you've actually done something about it. So one of the first things that you did that, because I think that, again, I'm in this back that place there. So you got to forgive me for staying in Rewind, but I, our listeners, I want them to get a sense of why you've been able to create such a big splash. And this is a really good example you got away from the just work hard. This is like, do this as often as can. It's a numbers game. Just, just keep working hard, hang in there. You know, we're coming out of a pandemic, whatever you got into it says now. Yeah, we are going to work hard, but I don't want you to just like dial. I I want you to have as many conversations on these two problems as possible. And you focused on the problem. So you define the problems. Like, what was that like? What was that process like to, to do a problem training? Because I talk about it with a lot of people, and most people nod their head and say yes. But um, Sarah, you you've you've done it. Can you talk for a second about what like a small thing like that did for your organization?
1: Yeah. So we do quarterly trainings. We, as your individual leaders, have their own trainings that they either come up with where there is either something new they want to share with the team, or if they want to kind of re how they're doing things. And this was an opportunity to, for me to kind of reset with the team. And everyone's off on their own tangents of how they're speaking to their clients and different sizes of clients. And it's like, you know what? We can really create one theme here that we can talk to with every client. It doesn't matter if they're the largest that we support or the very smallest. It's going to be, uh, it's going to resonate with everybody. So having a simple talk track that everyone can get really familiar with, the whole team can support each other on, um, you know, becoming comfortable with that talk track is and then they can share successes within each other as opposed to, you know, your your largest, we call them our premier space are doing it one way and our very small business folks are doing it another way. And there's no cross-pollination. Like with a smaller team, you got to create something that makes sense across the board for everybody and that they can help each other grow as well.
0: Yeah. I, I think this is so smart because now you're pushing the how button. Sales leaders always push the more button. We always push it, right? That we sign up for the more button. Everybody that's in sales or sales leadership, we just have to get really comfortable with it. But the prob- so the problem is never the more button. I mean that 's our role. Our role is to fund the growth of our companies. concur in your case. and the place that sales leaders could really improve and have more impact with the people they lead is if they can is the speed it takes from them to go from button number one, the more button to button number two, the how button. But most people end up pushing at some point the panic button. And by pushing this problem training button, and then some of the other things that I've seen you do, you've been very intentional around helping how be like your first thing that you do with these people on your team. And like, you're having some pretty killer results. Like I know that you've, you've, you've uh, had all kinds of performance records happen in in terms of team performance, but you guys just landed the biggest deal in, in team history, right? Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah. We've, (laughs) I mean, the pandemic is, is real and, and rapid and has definitely hit our business. Um, and I, looking at the Canadian market, we're still not out of it. I mean, we're still uh, crying out for getting a simple haircut <laughs> here. But yeah. it's something that I think the how button has been helpful across the board. And not only just talking about how, but also meeting meeting the team um, Maybe farther into the trenches than you would in in another time, Uh, making people understand that that. they are a part of the team and that this is a part, you know, you are just as engaged with their success as they are. So we took kind of a, a team look instead of, you know, being able to get into the office and everyone get together. I took a one on one approach with everyone and said, what do you need from me? And how do I help you be successful in a bite-sized chunk? Let's shorten those horizons and look at how we're going to be successful this week. What does success look like? How do we know we get to Friday that we were successful? Does it mean closing a deal? Does it mean just having an uh, an opportunity that you've identified from having this problem conversation? Like put some goals in place. And then how am I going to help too? Not just by setting the goals and um, walking away. But how can, you know, I've been in the role, I, I understand the space, and I've worked with a lot of these clients in the past. So where can I as a leader jump in and be a little bit more supportive and overly, um, I guess, overly supportive and at this time when morale is low and people are struggling to, you know, keep it on track. So I think that's where I tried to help with the how.
0: Well, I, I, the reason I asked the question, Sarah, is because I think that if you want to have organizational impact, especially in our role, it can't just be good ideas. These have to be ideas that we can say, this is what it's done for us. And a simple thing it may sound like simple. There was a lot more like it's like, I know how hard you worked on your problem training. Um, It's a simple idea, but the devil's always in the details. Right. And, um, and as you put together this problem training and said, let's have focused conversations around these problems and to our listeners, that's things like, here's the problem. Here's how it evidences itself. Here's how it creates impact. Here's who it creates impact with. Here's how we dollarize it. Right. And, and and that kind of conversation, you you're able to help your people start to have happening. What did that do for your one-on-ones? I like how you brought up one-on-ones. What does winning look like this week when we get to Friday, but let's talk about the winning side. I mean, I know that every time we do a one-on-one, it's not a pipeline review. It's not a deal review, but we we are talking about winning opportunities. and, And that's a big part of what we do as leaders. I want to finish the story. I want to get to the end of the story before we talk about how that created organizational impact. Like having that, what problem are we solving? How is the evidence itself? Has that been helpful in the one-on-one as you talk about deals that you're starting with the problem rather than where we are with the product?
1: Absolutely. So that would play into like a a deal management doc or deal management review kind of conversation because now what we've done is just create consistent language. So when... They, the team explains where they're at on a specific deal. When we use the same words, the same language, we know we're at the same place as opposed to everyone describing it a little bit differently and trying to interpret maybe where we're at in a deal. Um, so being able to, you know, we've identified a problem. We know we're going to be able to go in and talk to how we solve that problem as opposed to, yeah, we're talking about this product. It's hard okay. as a leader you know not to get too involved and and but to understand if there's a buyer on the other end of that conversation.
0: <laughs> well, and, and that's the thing is usually a leader doesn't have a, if they, it's hard to get the answer to why should they buy down. It's hard to get the answer to that and by focusing on your problem training et cetera you, you now are able to have a rep tell you here's why they need to solve yeah. this problem. Yeah. And that's Exactly. Cool.
1: And then we can brainstorm on that. Yeah. <laughs>
0: And then you've created other tools. We don't have to get into all the tools, but, you know, you did. You made a a, a, a document to help to have a deal coaching document that that started with the problem. So uh, you didn't just do the problem training. You created tools that would help how they execute uh, the, the problem conversation. And, and the results spoke for themselves. I guess the last thing I want to talk about just on this little example, it's just one of many examples of things I know you've done, Sarah, When you go to the effort like this to do more than just give a rah-rah or to say you can do it or to reemphasize the problem, the quota that's hanging over all of our heads, when you go to the effort of saying, I'm going to come up with problem training and I'm going to support that with how I do one-on-ones, and and as our listeners can probably guess, you've probably done some other things like that with the how button, what does that do for your relationship with the reps as they see you bringing things to the table that maybe are not being brought to the table everywhere else.
1: Yeah, I hope it opens up the trust door as much as possible. I mean, as a lot of leaders know, it is really hard to develop that relationship with your team when it's all virtual as well. We don't have the opportunity to grab a coffee or do anything casual. A lot of the time, you know, we're getting on the phone and we're having a virtual conversation for a specific reason. You know, it's hard to just, you're not bumping into anyone in the cafeteria anymore. So to be, to try and show that I'm doing things to create um, processes or or things or tools that will make their jobs easier, um, hopefully is an indication of how much I want to support them um, and that I'm not just looking out for them to do it all, but I'm trying to meet them where I can um, and and provide some um, best practices. And that's not in, you know, taking over deals, it's not in um, saying exactly what I would say, but it's giving a framework of, okay, here's, here's kind of a concept of how we're going to go to market. Now, how do we put the you in this? How do we, Mm. you know, each individual, uh, you know, put themselves in that scenario, because I don't want it to come out sounding like me, it's not going to be natural, I need it to sound like, uh, you know, how they want to come across.
0: That's super insightful. So, so now you're taking this tool, you're creating the tools and now you're helping them not personalize it for how they use for the customer, but personalize it for them. You're, you're not creating a bunch of mini needs of you. You're helping people just like you chose. How do I choose growth over talent? You're helping them choose growth over just use of whatever the tool is. Is that fair to say?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And then they can be, I I hope uh, every time that a deal closes or they have some success that they're proud and confident that they did it because it's not my language. It's not my verbiage. You know, it's they're doing the work. Um, I'm just providing a few guide rails to, to try and make the path a little easier.
0: So this was a killer example. I can't believe how much time I took on this already, but I, I like our listeners to get a blueprint. So, You work for a big organization. They have a really good uh, set of resources and tools. You're super well supported by people that are really good at their job. But you took it and you said, how do I put my thumbprint on the job and make it so this works as well as it possibly can in my organization? And you've done that with really, really terrific success. And the first question I want to ask is, um, and you've touched on it. So this is the second place we're going to dive in. Did it take some courage to say, I'm going to put my thumbprint on the job or did it take some time? How did you figure out that you need to, to put your thumbprint on what they gave you? And then it was okay for you to take that and, and make it work for you instead of you work for it.
1: Right. I think the confidence uh, came from trying it. So okay. I only want to bring anything to the team that I can guarantee is successful. They're yeah. not guinea pigs. You know, I don't want to bring something and say, this might work. Uh, I want to bring something and say, I've gone out and tried it. I did this. Here's the result. Um, here is a template of some, of some basic language that could be put into your verbiage. But I also want to show you a result that I got from a client responding to this verbiage. And here's why I'm using it. Um, it's all great and good to be creative at your own desk. But unless you put it into practice... How do you know, you know, that it's successful? And that's another hopefully a trust builder as well. Um, that the team knows that you're building things that are real to your market that are have been tried and tweaked, you know, not just the prototype that came out at the beginning, but something that you've evolved and is working currently in this market.
0: And- and I think it's worth saying that as you've done that, you and you kind of let people see what's happening, I'm guessing that the people that were the original architects are excited to get feedback on what made the original thing work even better. Is that is that true?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. You always want to see something evolve. I mean, anyone, wow. just because you create an idea day one doesn't mean that's the idea. It's never going to grow and evolve. You want to see it you know, right. continue to be successful in 2020 when it was created in 2017.
0: Yes. All right. So let's move off of that. Now, I, I, I'm so mad that I don't have more time with you, sir. You're going to probably be a repeater <laughs> with us. I want to hit the, one of the other things that I put a star by on my notes. You identified that there was something you wanted to get better at. You know, one of them was I want to be, you know, I, I'm an introvert that wants to be successful in sales. The other ones were I don't have enough focus on problems. It's all about product. All of our training is about products. That's what we get trained on and our policies and procedures, how we do deals. We haven't been training our problems I'm going to do that you've, you've shared a couple of and I know there's got to be more places that you've identified ah this is an opportunity to grow and get better I'm going to do that I want our sales leaders to to connect to this in your case it was I idealized being more extroverted I found that we didn't have um, problem training and so I want to plug those you got really okay with saying I know what I'm great at already and here's what I want to intentionally do and grow and become more successful in. So let me keep rambling and then I'll shut up and I'll give you as much time as you want on this. A lot of sales leaders would benefit from this. I think that they might, they might be, for instance, more naturally extroverted and really good at um, uh, any of those things, but they might not have some of the data skills. In fact, I have a customer who just started with me last week and he said, Rob, I'm really good at helping people win, but I hate that I don't know how to work my way around the the numbers and Salesforce and all that kind of stuff. Part of what I want us to work on is me becoming more of a a ninja in getting what the data is telling me so I don't get exposed in board meetings. Right. And so there's lots of ways. Everybody has different gaps. There's no such thing as someone that has it all. Um, Your success in part has been fueled because you said, Okay, I'm going to choose growth. This concept of I'm going to choose growth. I'm not going to let my natural talents and my natural aptitudes, you know, govern where I go and how successful I am. I'm going to be in charge of where I go and and what I'm great at. Can you talk a little bit about how you got okay with that? And is that just who you are or is that something that you just started doing because it's been working well for you? And I think our listeners would all benefit from hearing your perspective on this.
1: Yeah, I, first off, look in the mirror. I mean, just being as honest with yourself as possible um, is number one. You know, right away, I know that I'm getting into this role that maybe I'm not 100% comfortable in all areas of it, but that's okay because I know that I can do, you know, the core job itself. And I need to know, though, when I need to work extra, when I need to put in extra effort And and, you know, close the gap. For example, my, you know, my learning style where I'm comfortable most and when I can take things in isn't in a really lively environment. So I know when I'm going to the office and we're doing maybe they're doing a big uh, national training and they're, you know, trying to get all of us to, to understand a new concept or something that's come to life. I need to know that I'm going to take in as much as I can there, but I need to put in the extra effort afterwards. I need to take that material. The first thing is always, how do I get the deck? How do I get the information? And I'm going to need to put in some extra effort to consume it in the way that I need to, um, to understand it. So even though I would say the sales org is primarily built for um, supporting extroverts, you see that just in our open office environments. Uh, there are some people that, you know, need quiet spaces to really be uh, creative and mm-hmm. that I would be one of them. Does that mean that I'm never going to go into the office? Absolutely not. I think it's very important that we're there to connect with our team and, and that sort of thing. But I do know that if I need to create something or evolve something, I need to take it on my own terms, on my own time, make sure I'm at my home office working, you know, additionally on that. Um, so just knowing where your strengths are, but more importantly, knowing where your weaknesses are and how you're going to accommodate for them um, so that they're not a stopping block, but something that you are you know, applying some additional effort to.
0: Because for me, it's been amazing just how fast you've created an impact. Like there's big talkers. You've heard me say this before. There's big talkers and then there's big doers. And you've demonstrated that you're a big doer. I think that might be one of the greatest um, skills or emphasis points that a sales leader will have is, you know, a lot of sales leaders think their job is to go up and talk and give people motivated and blah, 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 but you actually are doing it. You've, you've referred to it many times. It's in how you're doing one-on-ones it's in how you're doing you making yourself a more well-rounded. And, and it's not that you have a weakness that you're turning to a strength. You're saying, what's the next arrow that I intentionally want to put in my quiver. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I think that mindset of saying, you know, I, I always want to be adding to what I have some, I, I think I just think that's rare. And I think that, that if we can have anybody that's listening to this, say, as a result of this, I want to like create an inventory of what are the things that I want to intentionally add. And then I'm going to get after it. Like I could tell you for me, I, the reason I relate to it so much is like, I invested a coach. I, I do all those things for me. I, I found that, that the more intentional I am about it, the more successful I become, and you've gone from being a fantastic rep to being one of the top managers in a really well, you know, super successful organization to now you're seeing it have impact organizationally. Like you shared with me as we were getting ready to talk about this, that, you know, you had an experience where some of the stuff that you had actually done came back as a best practice saying, look what's being done in other parts of the, of the organization. And you were smiling, saying, sweet, because it was your work. Can you talk a little bit about seeing how this ripple effect is you invest in yourself and you use it to win and you give yourself permission to say, here's what I'm doing. And, and you share and you, and and you, and you watch what it does to create this big giant splash. What's it like when you start to see it take hold inside the organization?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's it's awesome. It's, I think the things that get out there that are being used within the organization or just even with, you know, my next door neighbor uh, I, on the leadership team, if they're using something, it feels great. But that's one of many things. It's like you're a doer, but you're also a trier. Like I will try and, 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 you know, iterations of things. This isn't the first thing that comes out and it's great. It's something that I try and set with the team whenever I have a new member on the team too is like we're going to evolve and we're going to pivot a lot, because the first thing we try probably isn't going to work. And that's okay. We're going to make this work for us the way that you and I need to work as a on a one on one level. Um, And then how you need to work with the clients to be successful, we will find success, but we're going to have to be nimble, right? And, and the team has been very open to That concept of we're going to change again. Here, we're changing. We're trying something different again. And it's not like you're ripping out a process and putting something new in. That's what, that's not what I mean. It's small little changes, um, that, you know, need to happen when roadblocks pop up. You know, we just need to be able to think around the roadblocks and not just say, oh, well, I'm stuck here. Now I go back to square one. So absolutely listening to others, understanding what other people are doing, and also outside of your organization. You mentioned a coach, absolutely investing in a sales coach as a leader. When you get to being a leader, there's no leader course (laughs) that you're going into, right? You're an individual contributor, and the reason why you're an individual contributor is not what is going to make you a good leader. You actually have to stop some of the things that you were were. um, identified as being a a good individual contributor on the team and start doing them in a different way, Um, which is hard. Uh, (laughs) So looking at it from, from that lens as well and also kind of, yeah, stepping out of your own org and understanding what other people are doing in other areas is definitely a spark to creativity and understanding how success is done in, regardless if it's the same industry as you or not.
0: So this is a good way for us to start wrapping up before I do our rapid fire kind of three questions that we give everybody at the end. Okay. Um, And you've, this has been so good, Sarah. So good. I mean, you're awesome. I I can see so clearly why you have the success and I want to congratulate you for all the great things you've done, but a very common thing that I hear and I know you've heard because you've been in leadership long enough is that this common thing that happens is they take high performing reps and they get promoted to become managers. And what made you great as a manager not only often won't make you great as a leader, which you've already you've already alluded to this in what you just said. And that's why I want to finish with this because this will help every listener out that listens to us. Not only will those skills sometimes not make you a great leader, they sometimes might make you a bad one. For example, like competitiveness with people and you know, and when it all costs, there's all these things that are so self-serving for the individual contributor that are not so serving when you're leading a team because no longer can you do the work. They got to do the work. You got to get to a point where they're doing the work, but you've just told me that part of your blueprint is you're doing it with them, not for them, but with them. And then the next step is after you've had success with that team, having it be done so successfully that it makes this organizational splash that's so big, it can't be ignored things are used and then you are recognized ultimately as the architect for it. And I like how you started the whole conversation with, don't be afraid of, you know, give yourself permission to, to let people know that it came from you. It's not being self-serving. It's not being self-promotional. It's just, it's just what happens when you're good at what you do. If we were to finish like anything about your journey from strong individual contributor to award-winning team manager, so now a person that's starting to have influence and impact in one of the world's most respected organizations, frankly, right? Uh, any thoughts about how you put a bow around that that helped you do that? Because you're in some rare air, Sarah, that most people have not been able to do that. You're doing what many people that listen to this show aspire to do. And I'd love to just get any kind of thoughts on, if we were to wrap that up, some things they might do to help them have similar journeys in their careers
1: never stop learning, you know, never stop learning, continue to try different things. You haven't, you haven't conquered it yet. No one's conquered it. You know, you're not, you haven't done everything hundred percent. There's always room for um, changes, improvements, look at things from other lenses, you know, that I think zooming out is a, is a big thing for success in any of your roles. As an individual contributor, zoom out and understand how this is impacting your leader. As a leader, zoom out and understand how this is impacting your senior leaders and, and folks across the company um, and not think just individually on how it's affecting you. Um, and then learn from, from as many people as you can. I mean, that's something that I think made me a successful rep was asking questions. Um, and I continue to do it in leader In leadership is ask questions to everyone and anyone. I'm a very curious person by nature, but I am truly interested. I, I, I consume, um, you know, knowledge that I've learned from people, but also outside um, courses, podcasts, books, you know, just continue to learn. Mm-hmm.
0: That's a really good way to start to close this. I know that was, I told you to put a bow around it, but you said one thing that made me think of something. So I'm going to ask one more thing. I'm sorry, um, but I yeah. have to, I owe it to our listeners. That's why they like our show. Because uh, as, <laughs> as you have now experienced, this has not been a scripted conversation. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> we have gone, this has not been scripted. Uh and, and so you mentioned, don't be afraid to try. Don't be afraid to keep learning. Don't be tra- afraid to, to, to do those things. And when you do that, you're going to sometimes miss, right? I mean, you're going to have some swing and a miss and some leaders are so afraid of that. They feel like they got to put themselves up on this pedestal. And in my 21 laws, you know, law three is leaders on pedestals make easy targets. And I think we put ourselves on pedestals sometimes, um, any, you, would you talk about that for one second, like not being afraid of having a swing and a miss that it's okay? Because uh, sometimes we think, well, I'm, I'm a leader. I'm supposed to know everything. I'm supposed to know what to do. Um, can, can you talk about, not, about that where fear of failure fits into your model?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, it's what you do with it afterwards. There's going to be, I, we call them failures, but it's going to be something that didn't work out then how do you tweak that and move to the next iteration of whatever you were trying to create? Um, the other thing I think just around working with public prospects, clients, etc., trying new things on prospects and clients is, is a touchy subject. So how do you create an atmosphere for the team to be able to practice and not be practicing on Clients. Live <laughs> clients um, is a huge one because they're going to be failures and you want to encourage practice. And I think if people are going to be nervous to have these conversations, they're going to be more reserved with their clients and prospects. But if they can have this conversation again and again in a comfortable, safe atmosphere, um, and, you know, however you want to do that, some people do the role plays, some people do um, conversations with uh, people just outside of the organization, not necessarily a role play, but just listen and get feedback. So I think it's, uh, you know, constantly practicing and sharing those failures at the same time, like put up your hand for the successes, but also put up your hand and say, hey, I tried that and it didn't work. And that's okay. Now, who has some ideas on how we can adjust or fix that?
0: This is brilliant, Sarah. I love it. I, I'm glad we finished with the no fear, because you already talked about don't be affa- don't be don't be afraid of taking credit for the things that you've done and letting letting those things come your way and, and owning what you've done. But you're also not afraid of having the the fear of the learning process, and the learning process will be dotted with what not to do. Okay, we've tried that. Mm-hmm. We're not going to do that anymore. And that's that's power. Knowing that's power. I think. Would Would you agree? The ability to say, don't do this because we've tried it and this is what happens. Like the fact that you can say, I don't think that's a good idea, say, I know it's not a good idea because I did it, (laughs) right?
1: Yeah, that's where anything good comes out of, right? You've tried it and it didn't work and then you evolved it and it started working, so you changed it again, so it worked even better um, and that's where you get to an end result. But don't be stuck at an end again, too. Continue to evolve.
0: Love it. Um, let's do the rapid fire and then we'll come back and let you have just kind of final thought or two. But, but, uh, again, I want to thank you, Sarah, this has gone fast because it's been amazing. You ready? Three questions. Uh, top of mind. Ready? I'm ready. Okay. Number one, biggest sales leadership challenge you see, and how do you beat it?
1: Low team morale. Um, you know, confidence, enthusiasm, discipline, which makes up morale, I think has been hard. Um, being so such a big part of a North American organization um, or sorry, I guess a smaller part of a large North American organization and watching over the fence post, seeing a lot of things opening up in the U.S. that aren't opening up in Canada and impacting the team overall, feeling thoughts uh, on how they're going to get through and, and make it to hopefully this open space where we're back to a new normal or whatever we're going to call it. Um, and I think that, you know, Beating that or supporting that is just transparency. Call it a moral (laughs) check-in. So be open and honest. We put so much work as leaders into trainings. And if the team isn't there to hear it, if they're not in the right headspace, I'd say delay it. Make sure that everyone is there in the room, ready to listen. Um, And if someone is, you know, not there, it's good to know about it in advance. So you can either help that person um, you know, get on track and be in the room, be present, or again, make sure that it's a time and and, uh, date where everyone is available to you. I love what you just gave me
0: and all of our listeners. No one's ever given me that definition of morale, confidence, discipline, enthusiasm. Those are building blocks that I can get excited about. That's really insightful. Thank you, Sarah. (laughs) Um, great one. Okay. Number two, when you're building a team and I know you've built a team and you're always recruiting like all sales leaders are, When you're building a team, is there an interview topic or an interview question that you use as a go-to? And when you use it, what is it you're looking for?
1: Hmm. I like to ask, what are you going to do differently in this role than you have in the past? Hmm. I want to know that the person can self-reflect, maybe identify. Again, I want to know that this is someone who can learn and grow, not someone who is... uh, I've done everything perfect in the past and I'm going to continue because I know exactly what's successful. And it's also kind of a reverse way of when you ask, you know, what are some things that you can improve on? No one really has very yeah. good and real answers, yeah. but what are you going to do different in this role?
0: Like it. Okay, last one. Okay. You've done awesome. We're at the, we're at the end here. Um, <laughs> leaders are readers. And we found that the great ones, just like you said, you never stop learning. You never stop growing. You never stop choosing growth, right? You never say I'm there. Um, it, 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 is there something that you would suggest that our listeners listen to? I don't care if it's book or audible or if it's even bite-sized chunks like blogs or podcasts. Um, but is there something that's been helpful to you that you might suggest to our listeners for their leadership journey? Oh,
1: I love reading. So I'm a, definitely a book nerd. Um, I know we talked a little bit about introverts and extroverts, but Quiet by Susan Cain, the power of introverts in a world that can't stop talking is, is unbelievable. Um, I think it appeals to me as an introvert, but I also know people that have read it to to help them understand <laughs> introverts around them and vice versa. Um, one. No one suggested that, that
0: one. Thank you. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> Okay. Sarah, we we've, we've hit the end of the road. Is there uh, it, this has been really, really great. We've never talked about this topic this way before and creating a splash based on no fear and choosing growth over talent. And, uh, I love one of the things you said earlier, you got to get deeper into the trenches than you used to now. That's that's a, that's a quote that I really, really like. Um, is there a final thought now as, we, as we're done and we're getting ready to wrap it up? Is there any kind of final thing that you'd want the listeners to have as you wrap up and we get ready to go about our week?
1: Let's, you know, be open and share with others around you. I, I mean, if you can take five seconds to have a quick conversation with someone just about a general topic, I love having conversations around what's working what's not working within sales orgs and because of this whole virtual culture you don't get those anymore so you have to be a little bit more intentional to have a I don't know stop and chat than you have in the past and uh I miss those and I think they help people grow and uh hopefully we can find a new way to do those in our in our world here
0: okay that was amazing Sarah, how do people get more of you? There's going to be a lot of Sarah fans after listening to you. Uh, Sarah, you got huge things coming. Congrats on your success. But how do people connect to you? How do they learn more about you? How do they learn more about
1: Concur? All of that. How how do they make that happen? Absolutely. Well, fapconcur.ca is the Canadian. We also have a .com. Um, uh, Sarah, myself on LinkedIn, Sarah Hurst, S-A-R-A. E-Q-R-S-T. would love to have a conversation. Please feel free to reach out. Um, I mean, I, this is this is my passion. I love talking about this stuff.
0: Okay, Sarah Hurst. Now you guys know why she's one of my very favorite sales leaders. Uh, she's done big things, but the best is in front of her, not behind her. This is someone that uh, I'm excited to see where it goes. She shared some of a blueprint that has yielded massive, massive success. It's done more than just help her do great things with the team she leads. It's created impact in an organization that's one of the most respected worldwide. Uh, Her name is Sarah Hurst, and Sarah, as I say to everyone, thank you for joining us, and happy selling. Thanks, Rob. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another So What portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast, where we break down that interview and we ask ourselves, why did that conversation even matter? How great was Sarah? Man, I love everything about what she's doing over at SAP Concur not being afraid to put her thumbprint on the job and to make things work for her rather than just staying in her lane with her head down. And that's one of the reasons I'm proud to be working with Scipio, because Scipio gives you a tool that helps you find the very best, most personalized way to engage your customers. You don't need to go through the motions. You don't need to make it just a numbers game. And you absolutely shouldn't just settle for an average texting platform. If you want to help your team have the best chances of connecting with their prospects, Scipio's worth checking out. Listen, I'm getting success stories almost every week from people that are checking out the Scipio text messaging platform, and the feedback has been really cool to hear about. I'm hearing about improvement rates of up to 40% on showing to meetings just by using Scipio. And 40% is such a big number, I'm telling you, you can't afford not to check it out. So don't ever forget, all text messaging platforms are not created equal. If you think you have a text messaging platform and texting is important to you, Just give Scipio a look, okay? I can tell you from looking at a lot of them, Scipio's is the most powerful, most personal one I've ever seen. It's just that simple. If you're looking to engage more with your clients, and if you're looking to get more prospects to your demos and discovery meetings, just start using Scipio. I know these people personally. I know they will give you an amazing experience. Take advantage of a free month with no strings, compliments of the Sales Leadership Podcast. Head over to Scipio.com and tell them I sent you by using the promo code ROB. That's S-K-I-P-I-O.com with the promo code ROB. You'll be blown away at how quickly the Text platform can change the game for the members of your team. Now, this podcast is also brought to you by my company, the Jepson Performance Group. Companies, you know, they're spending billions on sales training, sales tools, and sales process. But those very same companies are leaving leaders like you on their own to figure it out, right? Figure out what your leadership model is. And I'll tell you, there's no shortcut to success, but you can get there faster if you take the more di- most direct route. And if you like the content of this podcast, you're going to love the content that I have in the community for sales leaders, Sales Leadership United. Think of it as a Home Depot for sales leaders, right? It's a do-it-yourself community. And it's got my very best content, over 100 hours of training materials. I got a private podcast in there and a bunch of other tools for you. There's nothing you will need that you can't find in my Patreon community. And if you've never had a coach in your corner, now is a great time to give it a try. Sarah talked about the benefit of a coach today. I would love to give you insights on what a coach can do for you at this time when so- the stakes are so high. Listen, there's a reason the greatest performers in every world, in every world, uh, invest in, in themselves. Save your most precious resource. It's time. Small improvements, they create disproportionate results in both sales and sales leadership. And if you can find that small improvement, you'll do more than just win a little more, a little faster. You're going to create massive results. And if you want to find those small advantages, hit me up. Now, I love talking to the up-and-comers in the sales leadership world. Sarah is one of those people. She's doing big things right now. She has a huge future in front of her. She's done huge things already, and the best is yet to come. And it's easy to see why she's having so much success so quickly. She's doing amazing things. I find her fresh approach to helping her team win, I find it super refreshing. And I would say that Sarah's living proof that you can choose growth over talent. You've heard me say it on the show before. we got to choose growth over talent. I wanted Sarah on here here to give you proof that you can do that. She didn't just do the things that her natural aptitudes say she should focus on. She did more than just follow that strengths-led approach. She's found ways to create new strengths in places that might not have come naturally or might not have been provided to her. You know, she started by saying, I idealized the extrovert because I was not one and I wanted to find a way to be more like that. And, and, and that's just the beginning for her. I mean, I love the example on how she made problem training for her team, right? She realized that we were talking too much about products. She realized that we were talking too much about the people. And she realized that it's the problem that gets prioritized, not the person, and not the, and not the product. And so she got to work and she boiled every single thing that they do down to two problems and got really good at helping her, comp- her team learn to hunt for those problems, speak intelligently about those problems, and, and understand how those problems create impact. And what that did was create urgency and opportunity in big ways. Right? It was a huge game changer. Suddenly, her team's able to connect to problems in the first five to ten minutes of every call. And then those conversations became priorities rather than them just being pesky or persistent. And, and she didn't sit back and wait for that. She just did it. She didn't say, hey, it would be great if we got some problem training. She went and did it. She made it, refined it, built a coaching model around it, built one-on-ones around it. And I can tell you it happened with great success. She closed the largest deal in North American history the day before we closed that episode. In large part because of this problem focus. So I guess it's important for everyone to realize that the things that she just decided to do, in fact, most of them weren't the quote usual things, the normal things, the stay in your lane things. It was because she chose growth over talent. She said, where can I grow and what can I do for my team that hasn't been done? And if you decide to use that same lens, you can do it too. As a sales leader, we've got to choose growth over talent. Otherwise, talent will always be a limiter. We'll talk about things like, you know, our, our aptitude or our potential. Our potential is unlimited, right? That's a potential itself is a limiting word. And if you do that, if you can if you can do that and choose not to let talent act as a ceiling, then growth will be unlimited. And so that's why I will tell you here, you cannot and you must not let yourselves let talent be a ceiling, okay? And if your reps see you working to have growth in your role, then what you're going to be doing is setting a standard of growth as part of your culture. Because if you want to help those on your team choose growth over talent, you've got to be modeling how you make that choice to them. And a great place to start is by asking yourself, how do I put my thumbprint on the job? How do I make a difference and make it better because I was involved? Because when your team sees you working on you, Especially because you want to just help them get better, they're going to reciprocate and you're going to see them grow right in front of your eyes. So this week, here's to choosing growth over talent. This week, here's to finding ways to put your thumbprint on the job and find ways to make things better because you're involved. You know you're winning when people can say, oh, I know so-and-so was involved in this because of the quality of the work or the way this feels, or the level of insight or that it creates. You want to have your thumbprint be that recognizable in the work that you do for those you lead. Here's to finding ways to turn areas that aren't as natural to you into strengths and becoming a leader that your talent would have never thought possible. Sarah's done it. And like I said before, her best, her best is yet to come. I think we're just scratching the surface on what Sarah can do. And I would say yours is in front of you as well. Your best is what is yet to come. So long as you choose growth over talent. So never stop growing. Never stop challenging. And absolutely, positively, never stop improving. And if there's one thing that's super cool about Sarah's story, it's that the results have come fast. Once she decided to choose growth over talent and she started doing things that hadn't been done, boy, the results came and they came quick and then the heads turned as she did it. And I don't think that's an anomaly and I absolutely, positively know it's not a happy accident. It was planned, it was well thought out, and it was executed beautifully. And the elite sales leaders like Sarah, they're big doers, not big talkers. I hope you'll follow this example and be a big doer as well. So Sarah, thank you so much for joining me this week. What an important topic. Thank you for sharing some of your experiences and your blueprint for intentional growth and creating organizational impact. And if you haven't already, go connect with her on LinkedIn. Go connect with her and start uh, start the conversation with her. If you're on the journey of becoming an elite sales leader, not an average one, but an elite one, Sarah is someone that you will resonate with because she's on that very same journey herself. I also want to thank my friends at Scipio. If you haven't done so already, head over to Scipio.com, S-K-I-P-I-O.com, and take advantage of their free one-month trial by using the offer for yourself. Communicate with your prospects the way they want to be communicated to. Find out all about it by using the promo code ROB, that's R-O-B, and watch your results change faster than you may have thought possible. Finally, thanks to each of your listeners. Listen, if you like this episode, please head out to to iTunes and give me a five-star review if you think we're worth it. It goes a long way in helping me continue to get the best guests in the world on our show. So with that, I want to remind you, be elite, live strong, Chase your passions and don't worry, whatever you do, just keep executing because we got you. Thank you so much for joining the Sales Leadership Podcast, the award-winning sales leadership podcast for those sales leaders looking to create legendary impact to those they lead. The greatest compliment you can give is to share this show and any of your favorite episodes with your fellow sales leaders, social media followers, or other communities you're part of. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. If you want to discuss any of the topics discussed on the show, want to level up your leadership impact, discuss executive coaching services, or even include me at an upcoming event, hit me up at rob at jeppg.com. That's rob at jeppg.com. And to those of you working to become a legendary sales leader, I salute you and wish you much success on your journey. Whenever you need someone in your corner...